Welcome to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. We hope and pray this message challenges and inspires you to live out God's truth in your life. So last week we started this series called How to Eat an Elephant. And you eat an elephant how? One bite at a time, right? And so what we learned last week is to do so, we got to leave the past behind us. We have to march boldly into our future, and we've got to stay the course. We've got to keep going. So I want to pick up with stay the course and go to this next step, how do we eat an elephant? Now, we've set some goals. We've set some resolutions. We've got some change we need to make in 2016. How are we going to stay the course? If you have your Bibles or if you have an app you can open on, on your phone or your tablet or if you're following along in my teaching notes on the app. And by the way, thanks for hundreds of you that jumped on, on board and listened to our daily five-minute audio devotions this week. They, they'll crank back up again tomorrow. You can listen to them online. You'll still on the app. And hundreds of you did. I'm, I'm so happy. That's great. Use them. What we find is how do we stay the course? Well, in the book of Ephesians, Paul writes in chapter 4, beginning in verse 22, he gives us this picture of how do we stay the course. And the way we stay the course is we try to figure out how does God make a new us because change is something that ought to happen, not for a season. Like we learned last week, by January 24, most of us give up on our resolutions. I mean, by January 24, we can do anything basically for three days and three weeks. Pass that, no good. So how do we stay the course and get past January 24? Look in the 22nd or uh, yeah, the 22nd verse of chapter 4 of Ephesians. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and your attitudes and put on a new nature created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. Now, it, when, when it says your thoughts and your attitudes, don't you know somebody in your life that when they're having a bad day, we're all having a bad day? You've been there? You got that picture in mind? Some of you are that person. Like when you're having a bad day, we're all going to experience that. But what Paul is saying here is when we trust, because last week, listen to what he said. I have not achieved it, but I focus on this one thing, forgetting the past, looking forward to what lies ahead. I press on to reach the end of the race and receive the heavenly prize for which God through Jesus Christ is calling us. So Paul is saying, I'm going to press on. I'm going to move on. Why? Because Jesus has called us to himself and in him is the only way that we can stay the course. Paul is saying this is how we stay the course. Our, na- our nature is the fact that we're going to go the wrong way when we're coated, when we're covered, when we dress ourselves in the nature of Jesus, we head in the right way. So the change we need to make and, and the resolutions we want to keep and the elephant we need to eat really is hinged on this. You can't do it alone. Paul's saying you need the power and the presence of Jesus to carry on. Now, if you're taking notes, I want to read this to you, and I want you to take just the highlights down. I'll promise you, if you post this later, this is gonna, people are going to like this, right? Hashtag Sugar Hill, whatever you do, right? Listen to this. We sow our thoughts, and we reap our actions. We sow our actions, and we reap our habits. We sow our habits, and we reap our character. And we sow our character, and we reap our destiny. Now think about that. What that's saying is all the way back to our thoughts, that is going to determine the focus and direction of our life. If we really want to eat the elephant one bite at a time, if we really want to move forward and stay the course, then we have to recognize God has this an extraordinary plan for our lives. And it's a, a plan that he intended just for us. So you were created with a plan. God knew those plans before you were formed in your mommy's womb. And in the middle of that, he's saying, I want you 
to use what I've given you, and I want to give you something amazing. I want to give you a new way of thinking. I want to give you a new mindset. What Paul is saying here, that Jesus came, that you might have a new mindset, a better way of thinking. Now, that's not the only reason he came, of course, and we know that, but he came that we might have a better thought life, that we might think better. I don't believe anywhere in the Bible, the Bible says, tell you what, park your brain and just do whatever. I believe the Lord calls us to be students of the Word. I believe He's called us to recognize and understand that Scripture is here to guide us, direct us, correct us. It is there for a purpose, and that purpose is to give us focus on Him and to make sure our life stays within the guardrails. And so God has given us this, but I believe He gave us three ways in which it's supposed to change our mind. All right, you ready? Number one, I believe it's supposed to be systematic. And systematic, I believe what this really saying is you can't do this alone. You must let this coat every part of your life. Most of us, many of us, we take our faith life and we park it into a one-hour time slot on Sunday morning. Now, for, for some of us, many of us, we give two hours to God on Sunday morning. We go to a group and we come to worship. We come to worship and go to a group. For some of us, we come to worship on Sunday morning, we go to a group during the week. But many of us, we park God into one or two hours and we're kind of done with it. Set it back on the shelf, put Jesus back on the shelf, put it next to you know, everything else that we do, and then I focus on work or we focus on health or we do whatever. Have you ever noticed you start a new year, we always talk about this, but we really talk about this? And Scripture says clearly what we're to do is we have a new mindset. We're supposed to have a new way of thinking. Jesus came so that we, he might be top of our mind and our heart. We want to be systematic. It's got to cover everything. Our faith life is, it ought to infect our work life. It ought to affect our workout life. It ought, to, it ought to affect our family life. It ought to affect our fun life. Have you ever been somewhere and, and they, they were telling a joke that was, that was just bad? Like when you're a preacher and somebody has a joke that has foul language in it or something that's, that's filthy, have you ever noticed that some, somewhere along the way, somebody who's telling jokes can look at me and they're going to say this, oh, no offense. Or somebody with you will say a horrible word and they'll look at you and say, oh, I didn't know you were here. I wouldn't have said that. Okay, I want to stop and ask you a question. If you've never heard somebody say that to you, is it possible that maybe somebody wanted to say it to you or not? I was in Orlando a few years ago, and there was a preacher friend of mine. We were in a rental car headed down I Drive, and um, there, there was a wreck. And in that wreck, this guy next to me uh, screamed out a horrific word. And he looked back over me and he said, oh, I didn't mean that. I, yeah, he did. It was the first thing out of his mouth. Yeah, he did. And so what we look is, it's got to be systematic. It touches every part of our life. It's got to be participative. You can't do this alone. This is why groups are a big deal. So if you, if, you, if you go like to Linwood and Andy's a group study, the Bible study, man, they're going to unpack the Scripture for you. If you go to a home group with Hector and Christy, they're going to unpack Scripture for you. We believe that you're supposed to do this together. It's participative. It's systematic. It ought to code everything we do, and it ought to be emergent. Our hope is found in a God who's ever-changing this world. He doesn't change. He doesn't have to, but he's always changing this world. If we're not moving forward, we're going backward. If we're, if we're looking in the rearview mirror in our faith life, we're not emergent. We're not moving into an entirely different way of life. And change doesn't happen. I believe Scripture is saying you've got to have, have a new mindset, a better way to think. But I also believe we're supposed to have a new voice, a better way to speak. Look what Scripture says in verse 25, chapter 4 of Ephesians. 
So stop telling lies. Let us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all parts of the same body. And then in verse 29, don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And then in chapter 5, verse 4, obscene stories, foolish talk, coarse jokes. These are not for you. Instead, let there be thankfulness to God. What's, what, what this is is a big deal God is making of the connection between our head, our heart, and that thing that's in the middle, our mouth. You know what gets us in more trouble than anything is our mouth. And you say, well, how do I know that to be true? Matthew 12, 34, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. You see, here's the problem. When we hear this text, we think, you know what he's talking about? He's talking about folks that cuss a lot. So when I hear that guy drop the S-bomb, the F-bomb, or any other bomb, he's talking about that guy. I hear some lady use this. She's talking about that, 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 that girl. But you know what? He's not just talking about those folks. He's talking about slander and gossip and mean-spirited and people that attack you for no reason, and folks that get on social media and blast people they don't know anything about, he's saying all that silliness is equally foolish and equally dangerous. I mean, what, what Scripture points out here is, wait a minute. If you're going to have a better mind, you're going to have a better mouth. If you know better, you're going to speak better. But not only that, you're going to do better. How we act, how we react, a better way to live, a better way to act. Listen to Ephesians 4.28. If you're a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work, and then give generously to others in need. Now, what happens is Scripture takes whatever your work is and raises it to another level. If you're watching online today and you're talking about, well, you know what I do for a living? I sell insurance. Then then it's not just about making sure you provide for your family and provide more and better. Nothing wrong with that. But if that's the only reason you do it, Scripture's saying you're missing something here. You're missing the fact that Scripture says so that you might have something to share with those in need. And so what we see is Paul is saying there's a connection with our head, there's a connection with our mouth, and there's a connection with our heart. When our head and our heart are directed by the presence and the power of Jesus, our mouth gets right and our hands get right. We begin to act and react and do as we're supposed to because our head and our heart are in line with Jesus. Now, you look at that and you say, okay, that sounds pretty easy. You know what I've discovered? It's not easy at all. Because if it were easy, I wouldn't be such a jerk. If it were easy, you wouldn't be. Because in the middle of life, what happens is we often don't put Jesus at the top of our heart, the top of our head, and it doesn't come off the tip of our tongue. You see, this is about surrender. This is about willingness to say, I surrender all. When we learn a new way to think, we learn a new way to speak. And when we learn a new way to speak, we learn a better way to act. I look at that and I think to myself, That's why we ought to march boldly into the future. That's why we can stay the course. Because, you see, none of these things can be done on purpose. Dreaming, planning, visions, all those things, they have to stay a course. And if we're to become all God wants us to be, and, you know, he wants more for us than we could imagine, then our job is to do exactly what Hebrews 6.19 reminds us of, that we're secure in God's promise. We're secure in the hope of God's glory. We're secure in his fulfillment and the promise that... An anchor for the soul, firm and secure, is found in Jesus alone. Proverbs 13 says, 13, 12 says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Grab hold of hope if you want to eat the elephant. Grab, grab hold of faith if you want to eat the elephant. 
Grab hold of love if you want to eat the elephant at the end of everything we do. If we have any hope of staying the course and succeeding wildly in this new year, we will allow Jesus to saturate our soul. When we sing that song, it is well, it is well with my soul, the picture there is just imagine a coating of the grace and the goodness of God. And it's for many of us, that coating got to right here or to right here or to right here, but there's something lacking because we're not bathed in the promise and the power and the goodness of God. And what I'm saying to you is if we want to get past January 24, at some point what we have to do is I'm going to trust in you. The waves and winds still hear your name. And Jesus, I'm going to trust you to give me a way to think where Jesus is at the top of my brain, and I, I'm, I'm going to make it systematic. I'm, I'm going to make it a part of all I do. I'm going to make my business choices based on the power and the presence of Jesus. I'm, I'm going to make my fun choices and my family choices about the presence and the power of Jesus. I'm going to let that happen. But also, I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to do this with life. I'm going to connect with a group. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to stay the course. I'm going to let others help hold me accountable. I want to be a part of something that makes a difference. I want it to be emergent. I want to clearly understand what God wants for my life, and I want to answer his call. If the winds and the waves know his name, I want to know his name. I want to know his voice. Here's the most beautiful thing about a relationship with God. He knows your voice. He knows, he knows your voice. You know, as a parent, if you stand in a grocery store and you've lost your elementary school child, when you hear that kid screaming, you know it's not anybody else, don't you? That's, that's my kid. I, I, know, I, I know that scream. That's my kid. They've been doing it since they were in diapers. They, they scream just like that. We have, we have several 20-somethings. You know what? They still scream like they did when they were babies. We know that scream. When the storm hits your life, and you know you got to stay the course, God says, I know your voice. I, I, I know your voice. The question would be, do, do you know his? And the one way we know his voice is, Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I surrender to you. I, I, I need a new way to think. I need a new way to speak. I need a better way to act. Lord Jesus, would you, would you live in me and may I abide in you that I can live that way. And listen to me, here's great news. You can through him and he will through you. But the minute we try to do it on our own, failure's right around the corner. You know what's wonderful? God is for you. God wants you to succeed wildly. He wants you to plow on, to keep moving. Why? Because he knows your name. He knows your voice. And he's waiting on you to call out, Jesus, I need you. Jesus, I trust you. Jesus, I surrender to you. Father, we love you. And in this day and this time, I pray as we head deeper and deeper into 2016, it wouldn't be just another year. That January 24th might come and we wouldn't stop, but we would keep pressing on toward the prize that is your high calling in our life, that we might become more like you, that we might think more like you, we might speak more like you, we might act and react more like you, because that is the calling you've called us to. God, I, I pray for every family represented at folks around this altar, for hearts that were opened, for minds that were opened, to allow our speech, 
our thoughts and our actions mimic you. Give us strength. Give every person here the ability to be coded deeply to the soul, saturated with your goodness and your grace. We pray that in the name of Jesus, our Lord. Amen, amen, and amen. So today, may you let him go before you and always make a way. Let him make your crooked path straight, for he can and he will. Let him go within you and bring you peace and joy, fulfillment and contentment, for he is always good and you are always loved. And let him come behind you in days that are difficult and carry you through your challenge, set you down victoriously on your two feet and wipe away your tears and kiss you on the forehead. Then feel his arms as they wrap around you and your Savior says to you, my child, I love you. God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Sugar Hill Church Podcast. For more information and to find out more about our church, please visit us at sugarhillchurch.com.